podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The tenth time they've made it! They've won a playoff campaign! And they've done it away week! And for the first time in 74 years, Brentford will play in the top flight of English football! Hello and welcome back to the Eden Road podcast. Tonight's show is going to be a lot of fun after we record back-to-back wins for the first time this season and become the first team to win their first three games at the bridge. Walking us through another famous day at Stamford Bridge is Craig. Craig, how are we, mate? Feeling good after Saturday? I don't think I could be feeling any better after the grief I've given them in recent episodes. I think uh, it's all just. (laughs) It's all just, mate. It's all just. And also Dan is back. Dan, mate, feeling good? Yeah, brilliant. Not talking about relegation anymore, so. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, very, very premature as we Brentford fans are are, are very used to in recent years. Anyway, just before we get going, folks, remember, if you haven't listened to the podcast before, please do share it around with your mates. Uh, Give us a subscription on YouTube and our Spotify channels. And also give us a follow on our socials. That's at the Eden Road on Twitter and at Eden Road Pod on Instagram. Right, Chelsea, let's just get straight into it. Craig, it's another win at Stamford Bridge. Another fantastic performance after Burnley. It's just what we do at their place, isn't it? Oh, mate, training ground. Easy game. <laughs> I think that it's just one of those places where we seem to go and, and have a lot of success. Oh, we're definitely their bogey team. Definitely their bogey yeah. team. Yeah, 100%. Dan, initial takeaways, what, what did you think? Um, I thought it was probably the closest of the three games, which is probably saying quite a lot. Um, yeah, it's, it's always great to see after the game a lot of bitter Chelsea fans on Twitter. You can search a few phrases in the search bar to you know find find them. If you want to find them, um, yeah, I thought we rode our luck a bit to begin with, um, but second half we got a, a bit more braver in terms of being able to play out and play through um, and play through instead of just clearing it long and inviting pressure. But yeah, brilliant. I think yeah, you just mentioned it. we'll walk through it. First half, I think we it was kind of how we expected it to go. I think we mentioned it on the last podcast that well, I, I did at least that I thought we'd be under the cosh for a lot of the game. We were quite wasteful in possession, as you just mentioned. Dan wasn't really sticking when it, whenever we got a hold of the ball, we'd kind of just lump it forward and it wouldn't really go to anyone. It had me wondering sort of what Thomas Frank said at half time because Craig in that second half, I felt like we were a different side. I, I kind of feel like it might have been part of our game plan to actually let Chelsea have a lot of the ball anyway. They, they, they just seem incredibly toothless. Like, there was no bite to their attack whatsoever. And and let's be honest, we could be playing now and they probably still wouldn't have scored against us. They just... They were created chances, but they've got a striker that doesn't want to move. You know, wingers that don't want to cut in, don't want to be in the box. I mean, gets to half-time. Thomas, I think all he has to say is go out there raise the levels a little bit, keep doing what you're doing, and eventually they're going to tire out the turds. The turns... Where am I going? Tides are going to turn. <laughs> Jesus, couldn't get my words out. The tides are going to turn and chances are going to start coming. We cut that bit out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, oh, well, I will leave, I'll be leaving that in, mate. Don't you worry. Uh, I think... Um... It, it, I don't want to take too much away from the performance, but Chelsea Chelsea were just terrible. Nicholas Jackson, I, I really liked him at the start of the season, um, but oh my God, that, that was that was a terrible performance. I remember two or three shots he had that went out for a throw-in. Uh, they were also missing Mudrick, who, who's, who's been in good form recently, and Enzo Fernandez. But anyway, without without 
you know, trying to take too much away from the performance. Dan, we get, we get that throw in down the right-hand side in the second half. I'll hold my hands up and say that I was screaming at Jensen to just launch it into the box because we hadn't quite got to the levels we were at for the rest of the half yet. Were, were you thinking the same thing? Are you quite surprised when he just kind of tees it off to Mbomo, who obviously does the business, pulls it back for Pinnock and he's there at the back stick? I quite like when we look for the short one before going long because when you go long straight with the throw, it relies on someone to flick it on at the near post and you've almost got to win two balls um, in order to, to come out of the goal at the end. So I quite like that we go, we look for a short one. And obviously some teams don't like it because they start shouting and screaming and saying that we're time-wasting. But I think, you know, it, it's fair enough to do that. We're not time-wasting to waste time. Um, and yeah, I think Pinnock was obviously coming forward anyway because he got on the end of it. So I think the plan was, you know, to, to look for a long one if you know there wasn't a short option but yeah I definitely think yeah it's much better to look for a short option first and then obviously Brian you know with his crossing ability is probably can probably get it a bit further in there and in a better area than Jensen with a throw. Yeah I'm de- definitely glad that he opted to go short after after what happened. The second goal Craig match of the day mentioned it too why hasn't Neil shot before Sanchez gets close to him? Because he kind of does the right thing going across him, but he does it a bit too late. But I'm thinking he hasn't scored in 34 games or however long it is. What? Why hasn't he just put it in the back of the net and given him given himself that little confidence boost? I, I think that's it. It's a severe lack of confidence. To, to not even trust yourself to put the ball in an empty net from 25, 30 yards, it just shows that he needs a pick-up. I thought maybe the Burnley got performance would give him a bit of a pick-up. And, and he doesn't seem hesitant on the ball when he's playing. But in this scenario, he's running through, clean through our goal, not even the goalkeeper to beat. And he still somehow loses possession to the goalkeeper behind him because, as much as they rightly pointed out, it's kind of Sanchez that actually pokes the ball through in, uh, yeah. Neil's legs to him. So he don't really get the assist. I'm, I'm sure it goes down as his assist anyway, but... I mean, that's the lack of confidence, man. He needs a goal soon. I know. I, I, I tweeted out on that. I tweeted on. saying I'm sure he's doing everything in his power not to score. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I tweeted out that he's definitely having flashbacks to the Cardiff, the Cardiff goal when he played for us in the championship, which was uh, one of the biggest howlers I've ever seen. But I was literally the whole time he was running through on goal, I was thinking, oh my God, he's going to miss, he's going to miss, he's going to miss, he's going to miss. Yeah. So I'm so glad that he put it away. By the way, trans- I just said on the last podcast, I transferred him into my fantasy, got books before he'd even bloody come on the pitch, <laughs> which is just which is just typical. But it, Dan, it's kind of getting into Sharda territory now in terms of, is it just a case of he needs one? And one, once he gets one, I think he'll kick on. Yeah, I mean, how how fast was Sanchez, by the way, compared to Morpé? Like, how did he catch him? <laughs> but yeah, um, I think he needs one that he doesn't have to think about. Like when yeah. he was through last week as well, it probably felt like I mean, especially to like at the weekend, it probably felt like five minutes running from the halfway line. I don't really think he looked up. Like he was mm. just trying to get close enough, I suppose, to like to be sure that he wouldn't miss. But I think if he just has like one that just comes to him, like the goal that was ruled out actually um, against Burnley, if he has just one that hits him on the head or you know comes to him, then you know I think that's what he needs at the moment to give him the confidence. Whereas yeah. he had too much time to think about that. Yeah, exactly. We're, we're going to hope that he that he kicks on against West Ham and, and hopefully gets the goal. We'll, we'll talk about West Ham a bit later, but I think there's a few kind of standout performances that need mentioning, especially in defence, because we were if we're being honest, defending for most of the game. But not, not to say that Chelsea had a lot of chances, but just to say that we were defending most of the game. First of all, I, I tweeted out Nathan Collins. Craig, I think 
that was by far and away his his best game in a Brentford shirt. He he was he was he was class. He was a Rolls Royce at the back. He, he was snuffing out attacks. He was composed on the ball. He was spraying them out in the second half as well. How how good was he on Saturday? Unbelievable, unbelievable. A lot of people were questioning the price that we paid for him. You know, the twenty million that we paid for a centre back from Wolves. I'm going to include the United game because that was two minutes of pure chaos at the end. But the last three games, possibly even further, Nathan Collins has just been a rock at the back. You know, two clean sheets in a row, two moments of chaos against Man United. But he's just been absolutely solid and completely worth the price that we paid for him. It's absolutely looking like a bargain now. I know. I think uh, it's, it's probably a bit of a theme with with Brentford this season. Everyone was kind of talking about relegation, kind of writing off Collins, all of these players. We have kept the faith on this podcast. Can I just say, with with the players as well, when they were saying, you know, the performances have been, their results will come. It's the same thing with the players. But, you know, Nathan, the jury was out for Nathan Collins at one point after that, like, run of games where people weren't fancying him. But in, especially in the last three games, you can see he's really he's really turned it on. As well, Ethan Pinnock. Dan, is, is he one of the best centre-backs in the league? I was watching Thomas Frank give his BT Sport interview after the game and Thomas Frank said defensively he is the best in the league, which is obviously a big claim. Probably don't agree with that, but he's got to back his player at the end of the day. But is, is Ethan Pinnock one of the best centre-backs in the league? Um, yeah, I don't think he's necessarily like fashionable. So I don't think he would ever like, you know, go, go to a big club and necessarily succeed there. But... In terms of just like actual defending, like winning the ball in the air, being commanding, I think he's near the top of, you know, various statistics for like Jules one and things like that. And, you know, he's got a last hitch tackle in him. So I like him in the middle of a three next to Adger and Collins, because I think Adger and Collins are probably slightly better ball players. But um, when we play that back five, I think, you know, they all complement each other really well and it's solid. And I definitely think that we should carry on playing about five against the top teams just because of how it's worked so far. I don't see why we need to change that when it is working against the big teams. So yeah, well, there's going. a, there's a talking point that we're going to get to in the hot topic with, with someone on TalkSport who isn't very too, isn't too happy with the way we're playing against the big six. Uh, but I think Craig, we've also got to show some love to Chris Iyer, who's really starting to impress in a Brentfordshire after there's, there's kind of been question marks about him and, Maybe justified considering how little he's played. He's been very unlucky with injuries, but recently, especially, not only is he kind of a leader on the pitch, but he he is one of our best players in terms of kind of getting us out of tight situations. There, there were a lot of times in that game where he kind of took the ball on the on the flank and beat Raheem Sterling or closed down Raheem Sterling to the ball off him. But he, he was class. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, do you know what? I think it was. The podcast after the Arsenal game, which might have been the my my debut episode, shall we say, and we talked about a few players, and I was one that I mentioned, and I remember saying, people have written him off. He had a few injuries, but he was brilliant the first season when he was in the Prem. He was fantastic. He then obviously got plagued with injuries over the next year and has come back this year, and he's solid. I think that he's brilliant. I think he's fantastic. The three, as you said, complement themselves really well. And just a point, Ethan Pinnock as a left-footed centre-back is completely held our defence together. I feel like we miss him when he's out more than we miss, say, Ben Mee or I or, or Nathan Collins. That left-footed centre-back 
completely holds that defence together. And yeah, Ethan Pinnock, so overlooked, so overlooked. Quite raises an, an important, maybe not important, but just like an interesting point about when Ben Mee gets back into the team, Dan, or when he's fit again. Uh, where does he? Where does he? Does he have a, as big a role this season as he had last season? I would say no. I think Collins and Adger particularly are probably the future in terms of their ages and their profiles. You know, they could be our centre back pairing in you know five to ten years time quite easily. Um, obviously, Ben Mee's getting a bit older now. He's doing quite a bit of punditry, so maybe he's looking he's looking forward a bit. Um, I think he's a good person to have in the dressing room. I can't imagine he's really making a fuss about, you know, not not starting at the moment. Um, and obviously, I know he's just come back from injury. I think he's also a very solid player to have there if Pinnock, for example, was to get injured, because obviously Ben Mee's left-footed as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I can see him playing maybe a similar role to Zanka, but maybe one ahead of Zanka in the pecking order. Yeah, I think we've got the strength and depth, especially in that in that centre back position. I think we need to talk as well about Thomas Frank's substitution, particularly. I don't want to say his name right, but I don't. I really don't want to butcher it. Yamu Yamoliak, Lamoliak. All right, Lamoliak. What one of those? One of those. Sorry if you're listening, mate. He had a chance to get his first Brentford goal towards the end, which would have been just a dream, a dream start to his kind of tenure in this this Brentford side in terms of the first team. Um, we have a real player on our hands, I think, Craig, because it's two two impressive cameos. First against Burnley, now against Chelsea. Obviously, he's made a few appearances in the cup, but he he looks really good for for, for such a young player. Oh yeah, and I think we've got to give Robert Sanchez a bit of credit for that save towards the end of the game as well. He yeah. shot down, he shot him down very well, and yeah, he was unfortunate not to get on the score sheet on Saturday. Um, but yeah, I, I see. So many shades of different players in him. He's very Norgard esque in the way he controls the ball. He's very Yanel esque in the way that he can move the ball. I think that we've got a player that is someone that once Norgard wants to start maybe taking a back seat from his captaincy and things like that, that someone that can step in, you know, someone that can fill that space. But he's got so much ahead of him and he's got. An incredible amount of talent already. Yeah, it's a uh, it's it's definitely one to look at for the future because he does look very comfortable on the ball, especially for someone so young who hasn't made too many first team appearances. Final final one on Chelsea boys. What, what, what are we thinking about that? I mean, it's starting to get a bit too familiar on the podcast talking about us going to Stamford Bridge and getting three points. But I mean, it is just kind of pinch yourself material. But it, it's it's just so strange. You don't look at this fixture on the calendar and think, yeah, so certain three points going into the game. I knew it was going to be quite a different one to where we've played when we've played them before, Dan. But it's just, you know, I mean, this turnaround recently started with Burnley. We didn't really didn't have too many hopes for Chelsea. Would have definitely taken a point there, but it just seems like one of those grounds where we just go to and, and blow them away. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, this time next year we'll be saying, surely we can't win four times in a <laughs> row, but. Um... Uh, you never know, like, yeah, we're brilliant. And I think it shows a lot of trust that Thomas has in the players, you know, to bring Yarmolyuk on with half an hour left or whatever in, at Stamford Bridge, 1-0 up. It shows that, you know, he trusts him. Um, Godos could have probably done a job there, but he he didn't he didn't want to do that. Um, so, yeah, brilliant. And, you know, players are stepping up in the absence of the ones that are injured. Perfect. Right, well, we'll go on to Hot Topic then. I thought this week we'd talk about the TalkSport video that I mentioned earlier that's been doing the rounds on Twitter about a certain Andy Jacobs. For anyone that's not seen the video, Jacobs, whose second team is supposedly Brentford and who has a season ticket at Brentford, said he hates the way we play against big teams 
and wants us to lose against West Ham. Uh, Craig, <laughs> I'll, go, I'll go to you first on this one. Just a really strange video when I saw it. Um, I was just surprised. I was kind of surprised that it's just been, not surprised, but it's just been getting so much attention online just because of how kind of ludicrous it is. Just It's just a weird thing to say. I really don't understand it at all. What did you, what did you make of it? It's just bullshit, sorry. It's it's just absolute <laughs> nonsense. It's just absolute nonsense. If if it I don't even know who his other team supposedly is. It Apparently it's Chelsea. It's Chelsea yeah, I think it's Chelsea. I think it's Chelsea, yeah. Um I think maybe it's a little bit of bitterness as well. He maybe went into that game hoping that Chelsea would nick something out of it, given that we are in air quotes second team. I'd like, if you don't like it. Don't go back. You won't be missed, mate. You won't be missed. No, I, I, Danny, Danny, you echoed that. I was kind of just watching it thinking, who cares if we play like that against the big six? We've got one of the best records against the big six out of teams outside the top six. We play like that and it works. So why the hell would we change it if we're getting three points every time we play them? Yeah. First of all, what does he expect? Because teams like Chelsea, so the big six, are obviously technically better than us and probably always will be. So we're not going to go to those places. We're not going to go to the Etihad and try and play like Man City against Man City because they'll tear us apart. Um, so, yeah, it, it's crazy. Like, we're obviously going to set up in a way which means that we're going to probably play a low block. We're going to accept that we don't have all the ball. We're going to, you know, look for those balls into the channel. Obviously, when, when Ivan's not playing, so we'll have to go along differently. And we'll just be solid and hard to beat. And if teams like Chelsea aren't good enough to break us down, then, you know, that's their problem. Maybe they need to change how they play against us because, you know, they can see our record against other teams. They know exactly what we're going to do. Chelsea knew what we were going to do, but, you know, they couldn't find a way to beat it. And they just, you know, they created chances, but not necessarily clear-cut chances, maybe one or two, but, you know, it wasn't really enough. I don't think Flecken, I think Flecken made two saves, two shots on target, I think. So, you know, what they're doing isn't enough. So I think, you know, maybe they should change how they play. It'll be more interesting. I'm definitely clipping that up. Thanks, Dan. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, also, it, and before, just... before we move on, before we move on, you just mentioned it. Can we please give Flecken some more credit for another clean <laughs> sheet, back to back? Have that, you lot. Have it. <laughs> goalkeepers union mate the goalkeepers union sticking up for each other we love to see it but going back going back to the the comments on TalkSport the stupid comments on TalkSport I've spoken about it with other people it points to one of Brentford's biggest strengths the fact that Thomas Frank is so adaptable in the way that he sets up his team especially the fact that we can go to these teams who like you mentioned Dan have more money than us better players than us and nine times out of ten will beat us but that one time out of 10 where Thomas Frank actually decides to put it out of the bag and says, you know what, we're going to soak up all this pressure, we're going to defend well, we're going to hit him on the counter. It works. So why the hell would you change it? Talk sport, I just, it's, just, it's just a load of bollocks. I hope the geezer gets sacked. I hope he has a season <laughs> ticket revoked because we don't want him at the GTEC. Uh, and I think I can I can speak on behalf of all Brentford fans when I say that. Um, we'll move on to West Ham. Let's, let's go on to West Ham. We come up against the West Ham side who started the season in good form, it has to be said. Obviously, they've they've had a world win a couple of years being in Europe for the last three seasons winning the Conference League last year but have had a bit of a blip recently they're now winless in four in all competitions Dan I, I spoke to a West Ham podcast earlier in the week which you'll be able to find uh, tomorrow are we and I, I was I kind of said to him I think this is the most confident I've ever been going into a game this season what, what do you think about that because especially you know with our recent turnaround in form with West Ham's recent dip 
How, how are you feeling heading into that game? Yeah, I was watching their game against Everton and on Sky Sports, Paqueta got a yellow card and then it came up, misses game against Brentford. Then Alvarez got a yellow card. He's also missing the game against Brentford. And I think that gives them a problem in the, in the centre of midfield, particularly. Um, I feel like they're quite important players to West Ham. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely think um, I'm definitely confident. I think Thomas Frank's style seems to work quite well against David Moyes as well. I think he's relatively conservative, David Moyes. And although they've got some attackers who are a bit worrying, I think Bowen, Bowen and Kudus, I think, are good players. And, you know, they're on good form and, 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 and they pose a threat. But I think we will be able to manage the game quite well. And I think we'll be able to take chances. And um, yeah, I don't see why we can't be looking at three points. Yeah, I think definitely, I think it would be Hickey. Well, well, actually, Craig, I'll ask you first. Do you see us going back to a back four on Saturday? Because I know West Ham set up in a flat back four. I would personally like to see us going in front, uh, go, go, go for front four, back four, sorry, that we, so we can have that front three that we had against Burnley. How, how do you see it? How do you see it going? I see it going back. We, we had this conversation prior to the Chelsea game. We was giving Neil a lot of credit and a lot of praise after the Bar- Burnley game, sorry, just to then go, well, we ain't going to start against Chelsea anyway. I think he's coming <laughs> back in. <laughs> I think he comes back in. Um, and, you know, he might come onto the pitch without a yellow card this time around because he'll probably be okay. starting. Fingers crossed. Unless so, he winds someone up in the warm-up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, just because he clumps someone. <laughs> Yeah, I think yeah, I, I think, think we go back to the back four. Um, Hickey will be on the left side. <sighs> Mads or I, I think, will be on the right. It's difficult to call that side now with the way that they've both been playing. I, I hate to say it, I didn't think that was one of Mads' best games on Saturday. No. I thought Rosev was a bit poor. He had a lot of cover from Ayer on that right-hand side as well. So, personally, I'd like to see a back four of um, Hickey, Pinnock, Collins and Ayer on the right-hand side. But it also wouldn't surprise me if Rosdev does start. But again, yeah. preference, whatnot. Yeah, I think uh, whoever, well, I think it will be Aaron Hickey coming up against Bowen, who is going to have a big job on his hands because Jared Bowen has been on fire yet again this season, as the famous West Ham song goes. But I think I spoke about it with the West Ham podcast that I, I spoke to in the week about the kind of differences. And we have a great chat about Saeed Ben Rama, who I know a, a lot of Brentford fans are going to want to listen to this preview because he had some very choice words for Saeed Ben Rama that I know a lot of Brentford fans will not be happy about. But he said one of the biggest differences between someone like Saeed Ben Rama and Jared Bowen is that he's so direct. Uh, whenever he gets the ball, he's looking to beat his man or get a cross in or have a shot. And this season, Dan, he's been one of the standout performers in the league, I'd say, and he has been for the for the last couple of seasons. So Aaron Hickey's going to have a big job on his hands on, on Saturday. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think, yeah, he's, he's their top scorer by quite some way, I think. Um, yeah, and he's their main man now. I think he's assigned a contract for seven years or something. So, yeah, he's, he's clearly their main man and he's, he's a threat and he's grown. Um, I hope Lewis Potter's looking at him and thinking, you know, he also he also came from Hull. He was the main man at Hull before. Um and I think I, I think I've heard Hull fans say before that Lewis Potter was even better than Bowen um at Hull. Um so you know that that's what I'm hoping for from him. But yeah, Bowen, yeah, he's he's done brilliantly. Yeah. I think uh 
where whoever starts up top for them on on Saturday, I'm, I'm presuming it'll be Mikel Antonio, but he is awful, so we don't need to worry about him. But I feel like the only one of the only players we do need to worry about with Paqueta being out and Alvarez being out is Jared Bowen. Um, Craig, let's just throw forward a little bit to the next couple of games. Have have the last well, well first we we'll go back. Have the last two results felt like a bit of a turnaround in our season? We've had we've had good performances throughout, but you know the, the two results have started to come. So I'll go to you first, Craig. Turn around the season, then Dan, I'll come to you about the run of fixtures we've got coming up because it is looking like the Chelsea three points could be a big one considering we've got Liverpool and Arsenal to come too. But yeah, uh, turn around, Craig. Do you reckon? Do you reckon this is kind of the start of our season? Would you say? Do you know what? Like you said, the performances have been there. So I wouldn't say this is the start of our season. I would say this is the start of the correct results. You know, the performances that we've had, bar Everton, which was dreadful, have been there. The Arsenal Cup game that we had, that that was a fantastic performance. Unfortunately, we didn't get anything from that game. Maybe a bit unjust, but that's the way of the world. But then when we go into the Burnley and the Chelsea game and the performances and the attitudes are right, you know, the the chances that we're creating are good chances. The chances that can and are be put in a way, you know. I mean, I say that like we didn't score two absolute worldies against Burnley anyway, but we're creating the chances, which is the main thing. We're in the right places. I'd say confidence-wise, we are on a peak for this season so far. And if we beat West Ham, that that peak is, that trajectory is going to keep going up, rightly so as well, but got to keep ourselves grounded at the same time because it would be so broke for to lose to West Ham knowing their half of their midfield is suspended anyway. So, Confidence-wise, yes, it's a bit of a turnaround considering the low that we were after the Everton game. But performances have been there. And if we perform the way that we know we can against West Ham, then I think the confidence will be high going into what Dan's going to touch on, the games that are coming up. Yeah, Dan, the games that are coming up, we've got West Ham obviously on Saturday, then we've got Liverpool, and then after the international break, we've got Arsenal. So how important could Saturday be considering considering those two that we have to face back-to-back afterwards? I think we can say every game's important. I don't think we really have anything to fear, particularly. I think, you know, there's, I think there's four quite poor teams in the Premier League this year and they're already starting to be left behind a little bit. Um, so I don't think we should go into any of those games with anything to fear. Um, you know, we've shown time and time again, if anyone has belief that they can beat some of the biggest teams in the league, it's probably us. Um, you know, we know what we're doing. The game plan for each of those games would be different. Um of course, it's probably one that we're more expecting to get something out of against West Ham. But as a fan, to be honest, I probably prefer the Arsenal's and the Liverpool's where we're going and we, you know, don't have, you know, massive, massive expectations. But we're also, you know, quite hopeful that we can turn up and perform and we've got nothing to lose and we've got, you know, nothing too serious to worry about Um I think, you know, we, we can be quite confident and we're in a good place. So, yeah, I, it's important. But I would say every game, you know, you could say is is important in some way. Craig, just before just before we wrap up, I'm looking ahead to that Arsenal fixture and I'm thinking that is one that I'd really, really like to get a result in considering we haven't beat them since we played them in the first the first game in, in the Premier League. Well, which which one are you, out of the three, West Ham, Liverpool and Arsenal, which one are you hoping for three points out of? Well, apart from all of them, obviously, because we want to win every game. Oh, yeah, I want to win all of them. I want to win all of them. <laughs> Honestly, I would love to go to Anfield and come away with three points. 
uh, as a Brentford fans, yeah, you know, there's the meme on on Twitter whenever you say or wherever we've come from and things like that. <laughs> but <laughs> the journey I mean, merchants, I believe, it's exactly. Called. Yeah, I, I, I would. <laughs> I'd love to beat Arsenal. Obviously, yeah, everyone would. Um, but to go to Anfield and come away with three points, I couldn't. I couldn't think of anything better. Do you know what? Out of all of the games that's coming up, it's the Luton game that I'm most worried about. <laughs> yeah, no. Luton's going to be Luton's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to Luton away. By the way, that's that's going to be class. Um, anyway, I think yeah, no, it's going to be good. I think that'd be a good point to wrap up the podcast, chaps. Uh, the Inner Podcast will be back next week to discuss the game against West Ham and also look ahead to Liverpool the following weekend. Also, I, I mentioned it in the podcast earlier, but keep your eyes peeled for a conversation with Will Pugh from the We Are West Ham podcast who give us gives us the lowdown on the hammers before Saturday. And like I said, he's got some very, very choice words on side Ben Rama that I'm sure a lot of Brentford fans will want to tune in for, considering he is, uh, he's well, I mentioned it on the podcast, I think he's the best player I've seen play for Brentford. I don't know if that's a contentious claim, but I would say he's probably the best player I've seen in my lifetime. But yeah, we, we, we get into it and there's there's a bit of debate and it gets a little bit heated. So so just wait for that. It'll keep your eyes peeled for that one. And just before we go, guys, remember, if you haven't listened to the podcast before, please do share it around with your mates. Subscribe to our YouTube and Spotify channels and also follow us on our socials. That's at the Elam Road on Twitter and at Elam Road Pod on Instagram. Dan Craig, it's been a pleasure. And I'll see you next week. Podcast Network.